0: The Holy Gospel according to let me this right. okay. the Holy Gospel according to Saint Matthew the tenth chapter. You, Jesus said to the twelve, Whoever welcomes you welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. Whoever welcomes a prophet in the name of the prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And whoever welcomes a righteous person in the name of a righteous person will receive the reward of the righteous. And whoever gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones in the name of a disciple, truly I tell you, none of these will lose their reward. The gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. Grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Who's your master? Now, right now, you're thinking, well, I don't have a master. I live in a free country. We're going to celebrate that freedom this week, right? I don't have any master. what's he talking about? I get that that's that's a reasonable response. It's a provocative question though in in some ways for we may we may chafe at the idea of, of anyone being my master I may chafe at that notion and I may say I have no master and in a maybe in a very Strict sense uh, in terms of other people, that's true. But ultimately, it's not. And Paul helps us look at that question today. We may think we, have, we can live our lives without a master, but Paul says an emphatic no to that. You are, you're going to have a master one way or another. Back in the 60s, some of you might be old enough to remember Bob Dylan, or otherwise, I'm dating myself. Bob was a folk rock uh, giant. <laughs> Anyway, um, Bob had a song called, You Gotta Serve Somebody. And it's a long song. I'm not going to sing it for you by any means. But the refrain goes, you gotta serve somebody. Yeah, you gotta serve somebody. It may be the devil, or it may be the Lord. But you're gonna serve somebody. And in a way, Bob was right. Paul would agree with that. Now, he might not use, he might not... Uh, he's he's going to say in today's reading that the old tyrant, the old master that we all have, is sin. He's not going to use the word devil so much. That's, that's not quite how he's in it. He's using the word sin for the most part in today's second lesson that we're going to be working from. And he says, this is the old tyrant. You are a slave to sin. But he says, now... Something has changed. You are no longer a slave to sin. You have a new master. You do have a master, huh? Paul would say. And, you are, and that master is God. And, and more specifically, Jesus Christ. And that's a different kind of master, right? Paul says very clearly, you are now standing in a new place because you are Baptized because you have been baptized you are standing now on resurrection ground you're in a new spot you have passed through the waters like the ancient israelites passed through the red sea you've passed through those waters out of the slavery to the old into the freedom of the new but that with that freedom from the old comes a new master but that master is the god and father of our lord jesus christ and that's a different kind of master. But It's one or the other. There's no in between for Paul. And, we are, and Paul would say, we need to recognize this so that we make it clear that we are not going to listen to the voice of the old master anymore, the voice of sin. This is the words Paul uses. Our old master, Paul, uses the word sin by obeying the calls to live in ways that are Sinful that are contrary to the will, purpose, and love of God in our lives. Paul says, sin is dead to you. You have died to sin and have been raised up with Christ in those holy waters. You belong to him now. And you are under no obligation to obey that old master anymore. In fact, you are under a new obligation given by God not to obey the old master anymore. Period. Period. That day is gone. That time has passed. So today, in this beautiful sixth chapter of Romans, we celebrate baptism. That powerful sacrament of our lives that brought us into relationship with Christ forever, as I was telling the, the young people a moment ago. One of the champions of baptism, and one of the reasons it's such a big thing in our Lutheran traditions, is because Luther, Martin Luther... Was found great power in the in the in in baptism for his life and his faith. He re- referenced it frequently in his writings. It was extremely important to him. He he, he taught people when uh, he said he liked to say, "Here's what you do," and this goes back to what we talked about with the children a moment ago. He said, "In the morning when you get up." You go in the bathroom, you splash that water on your face, and you wake up. He says, when you splash that water on your face, make the sign of the cross on yourself. And remember, you are baptized. And you can even say it to yourself in the mirror. Now, he didn't probably have a mirror to look into, but we do, most of us. I am baptized. You can say it to that face looking back right at you. Your face. Your face. Because that's your identity, your brand new identity given in God, given in Christ. And you remind yourself when you do that, this is who you are. You are a slave to righteousness, a slave to God, a slave to Christ. This is who you are. Luther, other times in his career, liked to reference those three words, those words well actually used four most of the time but three i am baptized i am baptized those three words are laced throughout his writings it, luther would use those words as as a as a powerful uh, uh, way to resist when he the, when he thought he was being assaulted by the devil and luther thought that quite a lot he had a lot of he had an ongoing day to day fight going on with the devil Trying to undermine his Reformation work and so forth, and he would become, he would become uh, frustrated and even depressed sometimes by it. It's a, the in the German it's called Anfechtungen, and he would he would uh, and and sometimes those assaults would be very difficult for him to resist. Sometimes he would be temp- his conscience would get the better of him, and he would feel like he's going the wrong direction. That temp- temptation was pulling him. And, so, and he would always, in those moments, shout even sometimes aloud. Psst, I have his hand down on his desk. Shout, I am baptized. That was his way of fighting back against that other voice, the voice of sin that was out to coerce him. When we do that... We take a stand on that solid resurrection ground that we have been, in which we have been placed in baptism. So I am baptized. That's the watchword for today. And it's a word we, take, we need to take seriously and take with us every single day. And it, can be, and it can infuse not only our thinking, but it can infuse our prayers. I want to I share a little prayer with you as part of our exercise today. A prayer, stra- a, prayer st- a prayer way of praying today that, that is uh, um, kind of based on this Romans 6 chapter. I picked it up when I was uh, studying some things by uh, uh, Dale Frederick Bruner, who wrote a comment- his commentary on Romans I enjoy. Anyway, he, sh- he shares these thoughts about this chapter, about a way of praying, physically as well as verbally, on the, on the basis of what Paul is saying in this chapter in this last part of Romans 6, specifically. Based on the notion that, we, that sin will not have lordship over us anymore. Emph- that emphatic point. Why not? Because we are not under law anymore, but under grace. And with that, that overarching verse, he invites us to pray that, to pray this way. So what I'm going to ask you to do is do, is, is do the gestures with me. I'll say the prayer. You don't have to do that. You don't have to, you don't have to repeat. But what I want you to do is do the gestures. Because it's, it's sometimes physically entering into prayer rather than just sitting quietly and still can help make that prayer you know, even more full, uh, full experience for us. So he suggests the first thing we do, lay your hands open like, somebody's, like you want somebody to put something really cool in them. You're waiting for a gift. Let me have that gift. You know, look enthusiastic. And then you pray, you pray something like this. You might pray something like this. Lord, I thank you that I am baptized. And that in baptism, you have made me your own. Fill me with your gift of grace. Fill me with your love for this day. Fill my heart with the promise of my salvation and the hope of eternal life that I may cling to you above all things and trust your promises above any of this world. And you can, you can flesh that out any more way you want. And the next thing he suggests you do is you take your hands and you shift them and you make a gesture like you're going to give somebody a big hug or you're going to reach out and give somebody something. Instead of being the recipient, you're the giver. You're the giver now. And with that gesture, which is about sanctification, which is about taking what we have and giving it out, he suggests we might pray something like this with our hands extended. Lord, help me now to be a slave to your righteousness in my life. To reach out to the world around me with the good things that you give your love, your forgiveness, your generosity, your peace, your love. May I make may I re- I have received these gifts in abundance, may I give them so freely and generously to all around me this day and not hold anything back. Okay, that's the second part, and you can flesh that out any further the way you want. Then the last part of the prayer is this hold up your hand like you like a stop like are a police officer stopping traffic okay and then we and then he says suggests we pray something like this lord may i never be a slave to sin teach me to resist temptation to trust your promises rather than the voice of sin and temptation to say no to those things which will displease you and bring, and bring harm or danger to, to others around me. Teach me to hear your voice alone and to listen to you alone for love and guidance, not the voice of sin. I am dead to sin. Teach me to live that way this day. And then you could kind of go, oh, Amen. You could flesh that out again any way you want. But it's the, the gift, the embrace, the stop, saying no to sin, saying yes to the life God gives you. All of it flowing from the very grace of God's love because you are baptized. You can use that if you want, you don't have to. Just an idea. I kind of liked it. Finally, just the last thought for the day is that this thing that Paul is talking about today, this this having a new master, having a master at all might be a little repugnant to us, but this master is benevolent and good. This is not like the old master. This is a master who loves us and has promised us eternal life. This master is worth, if you will, enslaving ourselves to him giving ourselves fully to this master. And Paul firmly believes in Romans that there's been a fundamental change of heart that has occurred in the baptized person when we are baptized. There is now in that new person that has passed through the waters a willingness to shape their life around around Christ, his teaching, his example. Paul firmly believes that for each of us who have passed through those waters, something has happened that makes us want to live differently and that we have received the Spirit so that we may, in fact, live differently in the power of that Spirit that we have been given so that we will no longer want to put our hands, our minds, our hearts, our imagination, and our will at the disposal of sin, but rather of God. And let God use all of those things bless the world in Christ's name it is a gift it is freely given it is grace in abundance a gift to treasure always I want to conclude our, my meditation with these words from Luther's large catechism about baptism just a couple quick just a few, couple, few, just a few sentences here this is, this is from Luther from the large catechism some of you may have studied it I don't know he says this, thus we may regard baptism and put it to use in such a way that we may draw strength and comfort from it when our sins or conscience oppress us and say, But I am baptized. Remember, that's what Luther did, okay? And if I have been baptized, I have the promise that I shall be saved and have eternal life in both body and soul. And then he concludes with these words in this paragraph. No greater jewel, therefore, can adorn our body and soul than baptism, for through it we become completely holy and blessed, which no other kind of life and no work on earth can acquire. I am baptized. That's your watchword for today.